Thanks for being uh, with us again. Happy July, almost the 4th, July the 5th. I'm actually recording this on July the 4th. It's good to have you uh, with us again, and thanks for uh, being a part of us. Come out and see us. We're still having drive through services, and we'll be back in pretty soon. And I hope that uh, you're enjoying your church services where they are. If you're not in church, it's what I always say. If you're not in church, come out and visit us. Find a church where you can go and serve the Lord and worship Him. Uh, he's priority number one. I'll be talking a little bit about that today. I'm speaking kind of a series of sermons on our nation and the struggle that we're in. It seems like that everything seems to be so divisive and there's so many problems and our nation seems to be in such a in such an uproar right now. I'm going to talk to you today. If I could entitle this message, I guess it would be Two Nations Under God. We're used to the phrase One Nation Under God. It seems like we're becoming two nations under God or three nations under God, but we, we're lacking the, the freedom and the unity that we once had. I want to talk to you today about freedom as we celebrate freedom this time of year. And to, to do so, I'm going to take you back to Exodus. So if you want to get your Bibles and be looking at looking that up, Exodus chapter 3. It's a misunderstood word, freedom. Most people think freedom is just, man, we can do anything, anytime, anyway, whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it. But that's not the biblical view of freedom. So I want to talk to you about that. There's really only truly one freedom, one really true freedom, and that is the freedom to choose. And once you make a choice, then all other things you choose not to do and whatever you choose to do, there's limitations and parameters to it. And I want to show you that today. Adam and Eve uh, were given freedom, but there was a choice. They could eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, or they could not. Joshua said this, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Elijah, in his great triumph over the prophets of Baal, said, if Baal is God, then choose him, follow him. But if the Lord is God, choose him and follow him. Jesus said this, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So in following Christ, when we choose Christ, there is the denial of self, the limitations to our freedoms. And I'll show you that in just a minute. Uh, to reject Christ then is to be a servant to sin. To receive Christ, to accept Christ, is to be a servant to Christ. Either way, you're a, you are a servant and you're either in one in one category, if you would, or the other, you're not ever totally free. And I want to show you that. First of all, and let's go to Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. And let me read you this. It's familiar to us a little bit. It's when uh, the Israelites had been slaves for 400 years. Joseph had gone there and brought his family down there. This is some 400 years after Joseph had been there. And Pharaoh and the Egyptians had enslaved these people. They had brought them into forced labor, and it was a very difficult time. And God raised up this man by the name of Moses to go and deliver these slaves from Egypt. And so this is where this, this uh, text is, and this is what God is saying in this text. Look at Exodus chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse uh, 7. I'm going to read two verses. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, speaking of the Hebrew people and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. For I'm aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, 
to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite, Hittite, Amorite, Perizzite, Hivite, and the Jebusite. God said, I've come to set these people free. Now, let me begin speaking to you about freedom. First of all, freedom carries with it a priority. There's the priority of freedom. You have to make freedom a priority. Once you're in bondage to something for so long, and you really want to be set free from it, it becomes your priority. And if it's not your priority, you're not going to get free from it. Let's think about this for just a minute. Here are the Hebrew slaves, and, they're, and they've been in this condition for hundreds of years, but they had grown tired of it. They were in this bondage. And the one thing they wanted more than anything else was to be free. That's what they wanted more than anything else. It was their prayer. It was their desire. They longed for it, yearned for it, prayed for it. And God heard that. It was their priority. And God was coming to set them free. When you make freedom your priority, you're on your way to heaven. Our forefathers and our nation struggled against England and King George, and most of us know that kind of history. And they wanted freedom above everything else. And freedom became the priority. Such a priority that the battle cry of the revolution was this, give me freedom or give me death. See, it was priority one, even over life, they wanted to have freedom. Now, Satan does everything he can to put us in bondage. Now, let me talk to you about this in a spiritual uh, context for just, uh, just a minute. I work with a lot of folks and I go to, the, uh, to our local jail and, and I work with some young men there. And, and when I'm there, those who've got some wisdom tell me this. Okay, I say, Brother Joe, listen, my bondage is not uh, this place or behind these bars, but my bondage is to something else. My bondage is to an addiction or to some chemical or to some lifestyle. That's what's really got me. And if I can break this inner bondage that I have, this bondage to sin that I have, then I'll be set free. It really isn't about the place. It's about the heart. Uh, Paul and Silas were in prison in the New Testament and they had been placed there because of their preaching of Christ. And when they're there, they're singing and they're praising and they're praying. And these two men are free. The jailer who isn't, who's on the other side of these bars is in bondage to his sin. And when it looks like everything's going to go crazy and, and these two men are going to go free along with the other prisoners that are there, he's ready to take his own life. But Paul stops him. You see, he was in bondage. He was in bondage. And those who were in prison were actually free. So you can have some sin in your life and be in bondage and never really be free. And until you get rid of that, you're going to be there. You have to make freedom a priority. And you have to do whatever it takes. You have to love and want that freedom more than anything else. And it, when it becomes your priority, you can, you can get it. But it's not easy. I want you to know there's a great power. There's great powers that work to control you and keep you in this bondage uh, that we sometimes find ourselves in. Pharaoh wasn't given up too easy. He would not let these people go. He, he, he just he said yes and then no and yes and no. In fact, even at the end of this, he chases these Hebrew people down to the Red Sea. He's not wanting to allow these people to go free. He's determined to hang on to it. Satan does not want you to be free. And if you're struggling with some sin in your life or some addiction in your life, Satan does not want you to be free. And he'll do whatever he can to keep you in the bondage that's there. 
So freedom must have with it a priority. And I tell you, uh, chemical addictions, alcohol addictions, pornography, hatred, bitterness, greed, lust, drugs, all these things keep us in this bondage. But when freedom is your priority, Christ will give you the strength because you can do all things uh, through him who gives you the strength to overcome. But first of all, there's a priority. Secondly, there's a price for freedom, a price for freedom. I was with my daughter uh, this uh, just a couple of days ago. We were up at the park and she's training and getting ready for some soccer and we're up there just running and kicking and I'm watching her do all the work and I'm trying to stay cool. But when, when we were there, she was running the track at the park. When we were there, a tall black man came racing by. He must have been about 6'4". He was in super condition. He was lean. I bet there wasn't, I bet there wasn't a ounce of body fat on this guy. And he came running by there. He was so fast. And just in a few minutes, he circles back around again. And I thought, man, he looks like some of these Kenyan runners that are in such great athletic shape. It reminded me of a runner by the name of Kit Laggett, who was a Kenyan. And in, this, in the uh, Sydney Olympics, he was asked, what made the Kenyans such great runners? And jokingly, he said this. He said, it's the road signs which say, beware of lions. Well, <laughs> that, might, man, that might make you want to run. But that's not what made him a great runner. What made him a great runner was his discipline, his dedication, and the price that he was willing to pay to be a great runner. What he ate, how he trained, the way he treated his body. All these things made Kip a great runner. Now, we can talk about athletics, or we can talk about musicians. We can talk about really anything. To be great at anything, it takes a price that has to be paid to be great. When I sit down at the piano, I have no freedom. There I am, I'm sitting down at the keys at the piano, and I, I'm lucky if I can find middle C. I don't know what all these keys are. I don't know what the sharps are and the flats are. I see white keys and black keys, and I don't know anything else. I can't play anything. I can't play a chord, a tune, a melody. I can't play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. I have no freedom. But those who study music and those who are disciplined and those who practice and those who sit down and work at it, when they sit down at the piano, they have great freedom because they've paid the price to have that freedom. You see, freedom comes at a great price. We are debating in our country this idea of poverty and why so many are stuck in poverty. If you want to get out of poverty, there's a price that has to be paid. And a lot of it has to do with our education. And when you study and work and you get yourself in school and you pay the price to become what you want to become, you can work yourself out of that poverty. It's a lot harder for some than it is for others. And I tell you, that's absolutely true. But you still can have freedom if you're willing to pay the price for it. It's the same way with the marriage. Uh, so many marriages struggle, but if you pay the price, the commitment, the sacrifice, the compromise, the work that's required, your marriage can be great. Anything that you want to be great in your life has to have a price that's to be paid for it. Do you know there's been way over a million, somewhere around a million and 200,000 men and women that have died as military service men and women in our country since the inception of our country, since the Revolutionary War. That's a lot of people that have died. They've paid the price that we could have freedom. But today, we live in such a self-centered uh, world today that our self-centeredness and our own ego and the very things that we want are getting in the way of destroying the nation that we know. No one wants to pay the price anymore for freedom. 
but it's there. It has to be paid. Thirdly, I want us to see the purpose of freedom. Now, there's a priority to freedom. A priority to freedom. There's a price that you have to pay for freedom. And then there's a purpose for freedom. In Exodus 4, and I'm going to skip this chapter here and go to verse 22. In Exodus 4, 22, it says, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So the Lord, so I said to you, let my son go. So this is God saying, let Israel go that Israel may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will take your son, your firstborn. What was the purpose of their freedom? Now look at it. Let my people go that they may serve me. You see, we are given a freedom for a purpose. God just hasn't made us free so we could run out here and do whatever we wanted to do. Our freedom as believers is given to us that we might serve God. That's given, that's given to us by Paul in the book of Galatians. And I'm going to go there right quick, so bear with me. It's in Galatians, and it's in chapter 4 and verse 22. And it's a beautiful verse about freedom. It speaks about how Christ has given, made us free. Galatians 5, verse 13. Listen to this verse. It says, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. See that? It's the same thing. God's made us free. You're free. Don't turn your freedom into an opportunity to just go out and do whatever your lust wants you to do, but use your freedom to serve each other. And by serving each other, you're serving God. See, there's a purpose for our freedom. Our purpose as free Christians is to honor and glorify and love the Lord Jesus Christ who set us free. Our purpose is to worship him, to serve him, to lift up his name, to share his name, to be witnesses. Our purpose is to glorify God in our lives. That's why we're given this freedom, not just to run willy-nilly and do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it and harm all these people and do all these things. Freedom's never given to us for that. Freedom is given for a purpose. A husband and wife, when they stand before uh, the Lord and they commit themselves to each other, they enter into a covenant. And that marriage has a purpose. That purpose is this, this home might be blessed, might be honored, might be glorified. It might represent even God and what Christ has done for us. And they... And they are not just free to do whatever they want to do. They are now in this covenant to honor and love each other. And that's the way it is with God when we enter that. Now, this brings me to my fourth point. There are consequently then parameters of freedom. What do I mean by that? Well, there's a fence, if you would, around freedom. A fence around freedom. So God brings the Israelites out. You know this story. Lots of plagues. Moses crosses the Red Sea and they're brought out. Then Moses goes up on this mountain. And what does God give Moses while he's on this mountain? Well, you guessed it. He gives them the Ten Commandments. And these Ten Commandments is a fence around their freedom. It's a parameter. They are free, but there's a parameter. There's a fence around them. Okay, now, and let me put it this way. This will make sense to you, I think. I, I love water, man. I love to swim. I always have. I grew up just swimming and I love to be in a pool. I love to go to pools. But when you go to a public pool, one of the first things you'll see when you get to a public pool are a list of rules. And there may be six, seven, eight, nine, ten rules. And those rules are, you know, you're, you're to uh, not run around the pool. You're to not be pushing or throwing or fighting people around the pool. 
there's going to be breaks every so many minutes. There's a break at the pool. Why are those rules given? Are those rules given to us as we go to a public pool in order that we might not enjoy the pool? No, it's just the opposite. Those rules are given to us that when we're at that pool, these parameters, these rules at this pool keep us from harming ourselves. If there were no rules, then people are falling and cracking their heads and they're fighting. And No, there's rules at a pool in order that people might have the best time possible. That's the way it is with God's kingdom. God gives us these commandments, not in order to somehow limit our enjoyment of our life, but that we might be free to enjoy it. Jesus said this, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. God's not placed us in a parameter in order to limit our enjoyment and the blessings of life, but that it might be the very best it can be. And when we violate those parameters, life caves in on us. And when we're, when we're uh, committing crimes and we're stealing and we're murdering and we're uh, taking each other's wives or on and on and we're not honoring our fathers and mothers, on and on when we're doing these things, then life isn't what God intended for us to be. So freedom, all freedom has parameters. And that's true in our nation as well. There are laws and rules in our freedom because we live in a free country, but there's still laws about how we should obey in order that we might be blessed. And I think so many people in our country today have forgotten that our laws are given to us that we might enjoy this great nation, not that somehow we might be prevented from enjoying it. Now, this brings me to my last point. Hope you're following with me. I'm talking about freedom and uh, we've talked about the priority of freedom and the price of freedom and the purpose of freedom and the parameters of freedom. And lastly, I want to talk to you about the punishment, the punishment when freedom is violated. You see, God will punish us if we're not, if we decide that we don't want to live within his rules, he's going to bring judgment. And God is a loving God, but he's also a, a God of justice and judgment. And when you're outside of those parameters, we face that judgment. The protesters in Seattle, if you've been watching the news, thought it would be uh, great if they could somehow get rid of the police and have a police-free zone and take over parts of the city and do their own thing. And they thought that would just be great. Do you know, it wasn't just a few short weeks until crime went crazy and people were completely out of control and crime increased and people started dying. And so the city mayor and officials had to bring in the National Guard and the police back to restore, restore order. You see, there's punishment when we fall out of those parameters. There's a judgment. You see, Israel was told that they would enter into this land of milk and honey. It was a way of God saying, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be happy. There's going to be joy. It's going to be great. But he also said, if you, if you do not walk according to my word, I'm going to bring judgment. And he brought judgment. And they were, they were brought back into bondage to these Canaanites. They went right back into bondage. And when you turn a few books of the Bible over and you're in Judges, you see these Hebrew people who are now under bondage back in slavery to these Canaanites that were living there. As we go on over into the Bible, we see Babylon that comes in and takes them away because they violated their freedoms. And God says, when you violate these freedoms, you're going to face judgment. Israel went back into bondage. I pray that you wouldn't go back into bondage. Now listen to me. When you run back to sin, you will be back in bondage every time, every time. And if you don't get sin out of your life, you're going to be in bondage. You're not going to be free. 
But if you'll get sin out of your life, you'll be free. But if you decide to, decide to go back to that, back to that sin, you will find yourself in bondage once again. But when you run to Jesus, he will give you life and he'll give you freedom and he'll give you peace and he'll give you joy, inexpressible, full of glory. He'll give us life the way that God means for us to have it, the blessings of life, the peace of life, the joy of life. That's the way he wants us to live. He wants us to be free in him. There's no freedom, really true freedom without it. Run to Jesus and he'll give you life. You are free to choose. It's the great choice. You're free to choose. My prayer is that you'll choose Jesus. If you've never received him or chosen, I pray that you would invite him into your heart. And you can do so by praying a simple prayer like this. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. I choose this day, Jesus, to be my Savior. Come into my life, Jesus, and be my Savior. Teach me, Lord, to walk in your ways. And when you pray that prayer with a sincere heart, I want you to know the Bible says, when you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. God bless you, and I'll see you again.